you've got results and you've got impact. You can have one or the other, but if you can get a crossover of both, you're probably in the space of success. Today, we'll be hearing from Anwin Batois, the founder of Purple Sky Consulting. She shares with us her views on leadership, specifically around the key measurements to assess its effectiveness. She also talks about the importance of alignment when moving into a leadership role with your true values. Hope you enjoy the episode. Anwin, welcome to the Happy Workplace Project. It's great to have you on board today. I wondered if we could start our conversation by gaining some insight into your background, which you gained as a people leader, and how that's informed the business that you've started today. Yeah, absolutely. So I've 20 years as a HR professional, starting at the bottom after my degree and working, working my way up and really lucky to have gone through kind of that real operational generalist route to start with. And then as I got into that business partnering zone, it's like I really like the change stuff and I really like the project stuff and kind of really getting into kind of what sits behind culture, what sits behind leadership, what sits behind how we make things happen and how we make organisations successful. I just found so interesting. <laughs> so when I had an opportunity to move to a people strategy role, I took that with both hands and that was my first kind of big leadership opportunity. So team of 20, four direct reports, making that shift from kind of more individual individual contributor but I'd done some team leadership beforehand to into that role was a complete shift and that's probably what's informed my work most recognizing how different and how challenging it is to move from team leadership to department leadership it's not the same thing mm. I don't think we pay enough attention to that <laughs> really helping people in that transition in their leadership journey you know I think it's really challenging to make that shift and that's what's kind of inspired the work that I do I really want to help leaders kind of nail that and do that really well and help businesses to help their leaders transition from more junior leadership roles into more senior leadership roles really successfully. So thinking about what you've just said there and taking a view of the fact that you get to see a whole range of organizations in action what would you say the key challenges are that you see that they're experiencing from a people leadership perspective at the moment? Complexity, I think, is probably a word I would use. And I think the pandemic has certainly influenced that. So leadership was always challenging. <laughs> you know, those themes of how do I help this person perform? How do I handle these well-being issues? How do I handle these other demands on my time and my energy. We now have a scenario of the hybrid conversation. I know we're probably not going <laughs> to get into that today, but that is now exercising people still a lot. And how do we help people to see through that in terms of, from a leadership challenge, how is the hybrid thing about enabling success for the organisation and the individuals in that, and not just how do I make my job easier? So true. It's a really difficult one to balance, but I think that's an example of where that complexity is, of enabling performance, but looking at it through the eyes of the team, rather than how do I make this easier for me, which is you know, quite challenging, maybe. Accelerating leaders to success is your area of specialism. What does success actually look like? I guess this the loading behind this question is, is it 
relative to the organization and where it's at in its life cycle or the sector that it operates in or is there an overall universal definition? I think there are many definitions for it. I look at it from two perspectives. You've got results and you've got impact. Yeah. So you can have one or the other, <laughs> but if you can get a crossover of both, you're probably in the space of success. And what I mean by each of those, so results, you can have fantastic sales results or really smash the targets, but you've left a trail of destruction behind you in terms of how you've behaved or operated with people. And then impact, it's like, how are you remembered? You know, are you remembered as a great leader? Did you have a positive impact on somebody's development, growth, how they view you? And there are extremes of both of those. <laughs> you know, am I a nice leader? Do people like me? There's that, but is that effective? Is that success? Actually, I don't view impact as being just nice. Really what you want, and if you think about any of the leaders you might have worked with who've had a significant impact on you, they had high expectations of you. You know, but they balanced that with care. They balanced that with wanting you to succeed. It wasn't just about the results. So that's how I look at successful leadership. How do you get the balance of achieving the goals and being successful from that perspective with the results? But how do you balance that successfully with your impact? Mm. I think if you put that in a quadrant, it would be operating the box of high support and high challenge. Absolutely. And I think... That's what we should want for our people. We should want to have high expectations of them. You know, that's how you help them to grow. That's how you help them to kind of move through their capability. But you can do that in a really great way. <laughs> it doesn't have to be painful for anybody. True. Tell us a bit about your leadership philosophy. I think my starting point is don't do it unless if you mean it. And what I mean by that is quite often you'll see people progress into leadership roles because that's the next run of the ladder. That's how I get progress. That's how I move through the salary. And there's nothing wrong with that. I completely understand that. I'm, I'm not even sure how much I thought about it for the first leadership role that I took on, the, the actual leadership aspect of it. But I think especially as you get more senior or you take on more roles, I think it's really important that you actually mean the leadership piece that you want to do that and you want to do it really well. Something I look at is, do you love it? Do you love the leadership aspect of that role? And if you don't, then why on earth are you doing it? I really relate to that. I think time and time again, organisations will promote the best performer. And let's imagine that that's in account management territory, sales territory, etc. Well, when you break it down, quite often the behaviours and the DNA required to be the best salesperson are inverse to those that are required to be an effective people leader. Absolutely. And, and that's often done for very good reasons. You don't want to lose that talent. Mm. But then also there's a problem there because actually the organisation still wants the talent to do that job, though you've promoted them. And actually really the job now is enabling the team to do that job. And there's a conflict then. Yeah. There's a real conflict. And... That doesn't, that doesn't do anybody any good. You talk a lot about a process called Boost that you've designed and implemented with a range of organisations. Could you tell us about what that is and, and how it's rolled out within businesses? Yeah, so Boost is a new programme that I've put together, which is about accelerating leaders to success. And I'm particularly interested with those people who are making that transition from either a team leader role to a more senior role 
or they're maybe new into your organisation in a mid to senior level role. So there's different challenges there in terms of that onboarding side of things. And really what I'm trying to pay attention to is reflecting my own experience of making that change. It was a heck of a step up Mm -hmm. (laughs) moving from team leadership into department leadership and really you know it takes a lot to turn around and say to your manager who's trusting you with that promotion or with that new role I don't know what I'm doing or I'm really struggling with that aspect of it so the idea of Boot is to have dedicated one-to-one support through that first six months that somebody's in role and that's a combination of coaching because for me The best way to enable leaders to be successful is to enable them to have coaching because that helps them understand themselves. It helps them put great practices into place that they can practice with and go forward and really shift the dial on how they're performing. So that's why coaching is important. But also there might be some skill development that's happening that's needed. So there are bite-sized sessions that a leader can basically say, this is an area I want to focus on and we'll work on that together with content but also coaching and mentoring that would sit around that to really help them be in a place where they're positive. And the the areas I look at in terms of kind of success for that is it's about making them more confident, more capable, more effective, so that you've got a leader who is owning their role. What you don't want is a leader coming in and then being totally reliant on the HR function to manage their team for them. You're paying that leader to lead that team. Let's help them lead that team really well. That's something that we talk about a lot at Max with our customer base is, I guess it's essentially Pareto's law, whereby your leaders make up about 20% of the organisation, but they really carry about 80% of the influence. And with that in mind, I wondered whether you could give us some insight into what you think is a successful culture, given that leaders have such an influence on how the organisational culture is shaped. It's so governed by how the senior team operate. How are they role modelling the behaviours of successful leadership, of good leadership? So those two that we mentioned, the results and the impact. That's, I think, where there is the most significant impact on culture. Something that sits into that is how much you know, capacity is there given to leaders to lead? So I think there's the the shadow of that senior leadership team of, of, you know, how they're behaving. But actually, do we allow leaders to have the time to focus on leading? Or do we max out their time with five million other projects where they're doing work? Mm. So they're not actually having the capacity, not having the time to coach their team, to focus on what needs to happen with the team. You've given us some great insights into the work that you do with businesses. One of the really important things is that that work has an impact. Could you give us some insight into the metrics that you use to get a gauge on how effective the work that you've done has been? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is experiences, the stories people tell as a result of the work that they've done with me. So whether that's through reviews or through the conversations and me feeling the difference by the conversations that we've had, but also hearing the feedback from the organisations themselves, you know, what impacts impacts that had there. And I mentioned three things before. So are they more confident? Are they more effective? Are they more capable? Those are the three areas that are the focus for the manage- for the measurement, for the for the work. Leadership is one of those slightly more intangible. It's not quite as easy to go, well, let's look at the sales results of that team and what's the impact there. I think on a longer term basis, that's possible. But really for me, it's what's the experience? 
how is that person feeling as a result of the input that they've had from me and with me and what's that now doing to them in terms of how they're showing up in the in in their leadership role and the work that they're doing and let's talk about you for a bit what are your personal values and why are they important to you so personal values i think you know there's how does that show up in work and that's always a, a really interesting one isn't it and trying to be yourself as much as possible and that's definitely something I kind of work with leaders on in terms of actually the more you're trying to put a mask on the more you're trying to be somebody else in the workplace the more energy you're putting into that rather than actually the effort of leading your team <laughs> so actually I think it's really important to be yourself as much as possible whatever that looks like and you know that doesn't mean poor behavior that means being you, but it's not an excuse for poor behaviour. That's how I look at it. So absolutely be yourself, be in a good place, show up as you and manage that in a way that's positive for yourself and for the people that you're working with. So I think that's really important to be yourself. The other thing that I think is really important is to be kind to yourself and to care about your work but not at a point that you are compromising yourself and your life in in any way. And I I don't mean don't work hard, absolutely work hard, care about what you're doing, but your well-being and your life is far more important. And I think helping people to recognise the need to get that balance right, I think is, is really important and is something that I really do bring into the work that I do. What are the lessons that you've learned as a result of starting your business during COVID and how have they shaped the way that you work and interact with people? So the pandemic was an absolute instigator for me setting up my business and not necessarily because it was a I'm leaving my my job to go and set up my business but my husband and I had made big decisions about during that COVID time of we want to travel more, we want to create that space to do that. And for me, that was leaving work. Obviously, COVID wasn't quite done uh, in terms of when we wanted to start traveling. And I had a choice to make then. Do I start something new or do I go back into employment? And I decided to do the start something new and start my business, which is where I wanted to prioritize. And what I learned from that was you can work very effectively remotely. While I've been travelling, I've still been managing clients and working with clients. Often the internet in Vietnam has been much better than it has been in the, in the, since I've been back in the UK. So, do you know what? It's, it, what it's taught me is it's what you put into it that matters and the focus that you pay to stuff that's important and to get the balance right. You know, do things that you love, do things that you enjoy, you know, make the time precious, it is precious. So back to that point before around, you know, your well-being and paying attention to that, actually, you know, work hard, care about what you do, that's really important, but get the balance right. Mm. And you mentioned well-being there. From a personal perspective, how do you manage your own well-being? What are the things you do to protect and optimise it? Well-being's always been a challenge for me. I've had significant issues and ups and downs with mental health, specifically around anxiety. That's something I've I've learned to manage a, a, a lot. And during the first kind of 
lockdown areas, I did some CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy. I hit 40, so you know, you hit those milestones, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's where the CBT came in, because I wanted to change things. And it absolutely had a knock-on effect in terms of my thinking, and probably as well as COVID was an instigator for the travel and changing work and life and those types of things. So I'm very aware now of my mental health and the impact that has on my well-being. And I have to take control of that. That's something that is personal to me. And now that I'm running my own business, I'm able to manage that in, a, in the way that I want to. But I think it's also important that employees really pay attention to the impact of well-being and that they also like really put that at the heart of how they're handling conversations like performance, like development. Where is that person right now? You know, don't make any assumptions. Like, how often, how often do we really know what's going on in somebody's life? Even when we think we have a great relationship with them, potentially they are still holding something back. And that's why when either I have a conversation about performance with a, a leader, it's like, start with well-being. That has to be the first point that, that you start with. So I try and use that now that I'm just on my own <laughs> with myself. So how are you doing today? Okay, you're quite tired today. Do we manage the plan for the day slightly differently? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll go for a longer walk than I planned. Maybe I'll do something different. So using those principles as a solo business owner is something that I try to kind of learn from. Anwen, what's the greatest lesson you've learned in your career so far? I've alluded to it before, I think, in terms of kind of successful leadership side of things, but love it. Like, if you're going to do something, really, like, love it. <laughs> Because that makes it so much easier. Mm. It doesn't make it easy, it makes it easier. And it allows you to like show up in the right space. And I think that, that would be the thing for me. It's like really try and love what you're doing. I can imagine it builds resilience as well because you've got a more of a sense of purpose, a bigger why. And if you're doing something you don't love, like ask that question of yourself. Because actually, why would you want to be doing something that doesn't energise you? Mm. Taking a view of your career, what would you say has been the most impactful action that you've implemented and why? Probably that space on well-being. So enabling conversations about mental health and well-being and enabling this with the team. I did it quite small. So, you know, starting sharing videos or sharing articles about self-care or well-being in different ways and different formats. And it started conversations. People would actively get involved and share their experiences and share what's going on. And I think that had a knock-on effect in terms of how we interacted and connected as a team. I think that's really powerful. And I think finally we're starting to get to a point where it's generally accepted that well-being drives performance. You know, good mental, physical, financial health equals better results for the organisation and the customer base, higher levels of satisfaction and engagement in the job and so on and so forth. So yeah. for me, I would wholeheartedly agree that it is the starting point. It's really huge, I think. And I, but I think this is where organisations really need to help their leaders to have confidence to have those types of conversations and to lead those conversations. Because absolutely, this isn't about you being the only person speaking in that space. Absolutely not. But by demonstrating it can be talked about and that it's a safe thing to talk about, whatever the topic, that then shows people that it's safe to step into that space as well. Yeah, and I guess that comes back to having and creating an environment that feels psychologically safe enough 
for leaders to show vulnerability, which essentially enhances the authenticity, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, I didn't always get stuff right. Mm. There's loads of stuff I didn't get right. <laughs> yeah. But I now can look at that and go, okay, well, what can I take from that and what can I learn from it? And as much as possible, I would check in with people when I knew that I maybe hadn't quite done something in the right way because actually... As leaders, you are humans too. <laughs> you know, trying to help people to grow. Confidence comes with recognising you're not always going to get it right. Mm. You know, you do not have to be the authority on absolutely everything. Um, in fact, it's better that you don't. But it's better that you're human and you help guide and support people through whatever needs to get done. It's a really interesting point. And I think time served in a leadership role often teaches you that. You promoted managers very often do put the the armour plates on and try and show the invincibility. More experienced people, in my observation, are the ones that find it easy to be vulnerable. Yeah, and I think that's that where they have the capacity to do that and you know, the capability within themselves. There'll also be plenty of leaders that I know have been in leadership roles for 20 years and have no ability to do point. that whatsoever. <laughs> so it's that balance of actually how do you really raise the game of the leaders that you've got in your organisation? What would you say is your ultimate life goal? So ultimate life goal is to win the Euro Millions and be able to head off and travel as much as possible <laughs> in a real life world. <laughs> it is to have as much impact on growing my business as possible so that I can get a real balance. You know, as I've mentioned, done some travelling. I want to be able to balance helping leaders to be successful and helping organisations to have great leaders. But I also want to go and see different parts of the world and enjoy my life as well. So ultimate life goal is to get a really great kind of blend of those and to have purpose in my work, but also to enjoy my life. And what do you want to be remembered by? I think it's such, do you know what, it's, for me, this is a, a really important question that I ask leaders when we first start working together, is what do you want to be remembered for? For me, it's that, that I've had a positive impact on them. You know, that there's been a positive impact of me being in their world, <laughs> me being part of their life. I think that's, I think that's really important. That's what I want to be remembered for, having a positive impact. And when we've reached our quickfire round, so I wondered if we could start by asking you what's something you've achieved that you're proud of? So setting up my business is one of them, but the other side of that is when I actually left my job. The thank you card that my team put together whilst we were still in COVID was just incredible. Oh. And the reason that's a proud moment for me is like, you, they only do that when they really care about you. <laughs> so my view on that is I did something right. How did you react to your greatest failure? Badly. I think it takes a huge amount of resilience to have personal challenges or personal failures not rock you to a certain extent. But for me, it was learning from that. You know, what, what have I learned about myself in how I've reacted there? How do I kind of then use that for future me? <laughs> how do I be kinder to myself? You know, how do I maybe not put so much pressure on so that a failure feels like a failure rather than a learning opportunity? What's something you regret and what would you have done differently? So I wouldn't say I've got huge regrets. I think there are little conversations that I will have looked, I definitely have looked back on and gone, I could have maybe handled that slightly differently. You know, maybe I needed a, 
to have done a bit more there. Maybe I needed to have provided a little bit more space for that person to handle that situation themselves rather than maybe step in. So I think they're little moments like that that are then again opportunities for me to go, okay, well, I'll do that differently next time. What do you like most about yourself? I do care about the clients that I work with and all the teams that I've worked with. I think that brings who I am because I do care about people, but I also want to see them succeed. I think that's the thing that I get a buzz from, seeing somebody like really develop and really grow. So that would, yeah, that would be the thing that I like most. What would you say is your biggest area of development? So two years in to running a business, <laughs> of which I did 11 months of travel during that, is that is definitely where I'm learning at the moment, is all the little bits and bobs from financing to marketing to getting meetings set up. It's all that fun stuff, basically. <laughs> What's something you're passionate about? People. I know that, that sounds a bit naff, doesn't it, coming from a, an HR person and somebody working in leadership development, but, you know, what why would I do this work if I wasn't passionate about it? You know, I'm passionate about seeing people succeed, seeing people grow, and I want to be part of that. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So to read Brené Brown's Dare to Lead. I think that has been a huge influencer in terms of how I've thought about my leadership and how I show up. So I think that, that has been the best bit of advice I've had. And you may have indirectly answered this last question, <laughs> but what is one book or podcast you'd recommend for our subscribers? Oh, I've got another book I can recommend. That's not a problem. John Amici's Promise of Giants. I'd recommend both as audiobooks because you get to hear them share the story. So I much prefer that. Fantastic. Anwin, thank you so much for joining us on the Happy Workplace Project today. It's been really insightful. Thank you for inviting me on. Thanks for joining us today. Please remember to like and subscribe and to share the episodes with friends and colleagues. See you soon.